Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I am nervous about becoming a homeowner. I have no idea what to expect. I feel excited about the freedom that not living under a landlord is going to bring me, but I'm also terrified of the weight of responsibility that I will likely encounter. And I feel like I won't feel grounded until all of the boxes are unboxed in my new home. This industry, flipping houses specifically, is sort of recession resistant. As uh, demand goes down, you can kind of follow it down by buying houses for cheaper. And then as demand goes up, you could kind of follow it up by selling your houses for more once you've done the renovation on them. So I personally never felt that sort of crunch. I want those jerks to know the tremendous impact that they're having on not only my life and my roommates' lives, but also so many other people who are in similar situations to me who have to move because of no fault of their own but don't have anywhere to go so are likely going to end up homeless and on the streets. I'm just in this very strange middle place of having to work two or three jobs to sustain a living space. It's just been hard to find a stable home. Housing situations have gotten, oh, so much worse than they were five years ago. It's really like a desperate time for folks. It's really just a really desperate time for a lot of people. today's highly competitive housing market, millions of Americans are priced out of buying a home, often competing with all-cash offers well above asking prices. This past year, U.S. housing costs skyrocketed beyond pre-pandemic levels. This is especially acute in many major American cities like New York, L.A., San Francisco, and Seattle. But in recent years, we've seen it become a national problem. Rising housing costs and inflation are leading to more people living on the street. Homelessness in New York is the highest it has been in almost 100 years. The main cause? Too little affordable housing. And while experts are saying that the market is beginning to cool down, who's actually feeling that change? And what does it look like on the ground? No one in America should have to work 40 hours a week and not be able to afford to live in the place that they were. Through personal first-hand accounts from people around the country living in cities, or leaving them, we tried to get a sense for what this all sounds like. 
The people we heard from shared their anxieties, frustrations, excitements, and challenges, giving us a window into some of the realities of our current housing market. The common thread? The rent is too damn high. I'm your host, Ariel Dumras, and this is Vice News Reports. In May 2022, got priced out of my New York City apartment, wasn't able to find housing by the time my lease ended, and took it as a sign from the universe to move into the van. So if you can't tell by the wind, the rain is coming, and... uh, What that means is we have to prep before the rain gets here for when the rain arrives because the van is so tiny. We can't be opening and closing the doors a lot or else the bed gets wet. So for the time being, we have this tarp. And we try to keep the doors closed as often as possible. My name is Shelby. Currently, I live in no city or all cities because I live in a van. It's been a long time dream of mine that's finally been actualized. Everything is in flux when living in a van, which is part of the thrill and the enjoyment of it. My brain feels so alive, and I get to see all of my friends and family whenever I want, and I don't feel tied down to a specific place. And I don't ever have to worry about housing, finding housing, getting a hotel, getting a hostel, crashing at a friend's place. Because I have everything I need with me. And that's a beautiful thing. I grew up in white suburbia, lower middle class. I have a full-time job. And with all of this privilege, I got priced out. My name is Christopher, and I live in San Francisco, California. And the name that I use in my advocacy is Sister Shanita House. I am an advocate against homelessness and for homeless people. I've been homeless myself a few times in my life, starting when my mom kicked me out for being gay when I was a kid. And in a nutshell, I am living at poverty level in rent-controlled apartment in a building that was recently sold to new owners who are evicting all of the tenants. I've lived in my apartment for 14 plus years and at my income level, there's like no other place that I can afford in San Francisco. I've honestly been looking the entire time I've lived here in this apartment and I haven't been able to find anywhere else this whole time. 
It's very scary and super stressful. My whole life is here. Everything I know pretty much is here in San Francisco. All my friends, everything that I'm involved in, everything. I have no idea what I'm going to do. My name is Gianda Monique. I've had pretty stable housing from childhood up until college. But then because of financial issues, I was unable to finish college. And that's kind of when the housing issues started. I'm from Southern California. And I've always been able to and used to renting rooms affordably. Uh, it never used to be a problem but not so much anymore. I do occasional pet sitting and house sitting. That can be very unstable. Homeowners cancel, their plans change, and then you don't have a place to live. I have been in that position. I had someone ask me one time, are you just doing this so you have a place to live? I had tried co-ops for a while, co-housing, but I'm a woman of color, I'm queer, I'm definitely older, you know, I'm not college age anymore. And that's when discrimination comes into play. You're not the type of person of color they're used to. Or a lot of times you're not cool or queer enough. So it's really been a strange phenomenon. A lot more elitism. It's like queer elitism, co-op elitism. People who come from money but play poor. So you have to have some struggle going on. And then when COVID hit, Finally, I've resorted to living in an Airbnb, which is sort of a last resort. Hi, I'm Paige. I live in D.C., and I've lived on the East Coast pretty much all my life. We're a BIPOC family, so as people of color, we really do pay attention to what could happen to us as far as getting our house appraised at a lower value. We lived in Boston, um, outside of Boston, Cambridge area, 25 years ago now. And we had an appraiser come, you know, I opened the door. My children were young children at the time. And I had no idea, I mean, it sounds silly, but that your home, your home that you've taken care of, a structure, having someone walk into your home and have your race play a role in the in the numbers, the outcome of the appraisal and value of your home. And obviously, you know, as soon as as the white man walked into our home, I, I definitely got the, that feeling. He wondered, you know, are you the homeowner? And of course, I'm the homeowner. I've opened the door. You know, what? Well, what do you do? You know, how how did you how did you get this home? So those are the things that we're mindful of. And you have one experience and then you put it in your tool bag and you go forward. I have to figure out how I'm going to wrap these pieces, pots and uh, silverware. And the movers are going to come on Friday. At the moment, packing plates into little pieces of... Uh, like old bubble wrap, used bu bubble wrap from the last time that I moved, putting those plates into boxes. I'm doing the painful, emotionally traumatic act of moving apartments in New York City. It doesn't get easier each time. In fact, I think it gets harder because I've just accumulated so much shit. 
My name is Skylar, and I am a resident of Brooklyn, and I've been here for about 15 years. I came here pretty much straight after college. I've been renting in New York my whole time here, and I'm about to become a first-time homeowner or tiny apartment homeowner. It's given me a lot of thought around privilege, inherited wealth, and my own kind of relationship with my family and money and things that we typically don't talk about. Like, I've had a lot of conversations with friends. They're like, oh, are you moving? Like, where's the new place? Like, why are you moving? And even just revealing that I'm, like, buying a home, you know, a 550-square-foot tiny one-bedroom, you know, just the sheer amount of money to put down a down payment would not have been possible without inherited wealth. And it feels like pretty weird to like have this opportunity to own property, knowing that there are so many people without housing or struggling with housing right now. In short, it just feels like uh, I kind of feel like an asshole, (laughs) like honestly. My whole life is here. Everything I know pretty much is here in San Francisco. All my friends, everything that I'm involved in, everything. I have no idea what I'm going to do. The new owners are evicting all of the tenants so that they can supposedly move in themselves. The thing is that they actually did this exact same thing to another building four years prior, which coincidentally is exactly the amount of time they're required to actually live in a building before they can put it back on the rental market at market rate. And then they hired a lawyer to evict us who literally wrote a book on how to kick out rent control tenants. So, you know, I was given the benefit of the doubt before I learned those two things. But after that, I just, I don't, I don't see how I can anymore. I mean, it's just, it's too, too much. I'm really kind of desperate right now, and I want these people to see exactly whose lives they're ruining. So I'm planning on going out with a bang and making a statement at the same time. I'm pretty involved and well-known in the community here, and I have lots of experience protesting, performing, and rallying community support. So I thought I'd put all those skills to good use and orchestrate a demonstration around the housing crisis. I think to do that would be to move out of my apartment and move right into a tent that I will pitch right in front of the building. I've already started building my Amazon wish list for hopeful tent warming gifts to throw an epic tent warming party like a block party with sisterly flair. We'll be right back. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We used to say that everyone was moving out of New York to move to Florida. Well, everyone's moving out of California, and if they don't want to go to Texas, they come up to Washington. My name is... Stuart Chapin. I am now up in the greater Seattle area in Washington, which of course is a very popular place. I'm a uh, licensed real estate agent in two states. I'm a licensed contractor in one state and develop and manage both long-term rentals and short-term rentals, Airbnb style rentals. You can make a certain amount of passive income on Airbnbs, but they are still kind of marginally more profitable than just having long-term rentals where you're much more hands-off. Look, if you don't have a problem answering emails five times a day, if you put into place a very, very good cleaning crew and you put into place a very, very good handyman, you could actually just automate every inch of it. You could even get away with no emails. You could even automate the email part. When COVID hit, finally I resorted to living in an Airbnb, which is sort of a last resort. The transactionality is nice, but you're rated on Airbnb. And, you know, I am a very considerate tenant and very quiet and everything, but there's a lot less freedom. People have cameras where they're not supposed to be. And, like, right when you come home, I had an owner, homeowner, who just had to let me know right away. They knew I was home and were watching me all the time. And it's just like, I, I know, you know I'm home, trust me. So it's hard to be at ease. And um, the way Airbnbs are set up, there's this sort of like de facto redlining that goes on. A lot of people will just refuse you at the door. And 
I'm sure when someone makes enough income and it's clear that the Airbnb is optional and not like a long-term thing, those people probably receive a lot more courtesy, but I wouldn't know right now. I wouldn't know what that's like. My name is Sabrina Davis. I live in Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm 63. I've been on disability for a little over 20 years due to an autoimmune disease that I have. With my bones, it makes it hard for me to get around. Before I started disability, that's where when my income changed and then uh, things got really rough. In the last 20 years, I would say I've moved, let me see, one, two, three, four. I've moved six times. That's a lot. And every place I moved to was, was I, I, I call it jumping from the frying pan straight into the fire. Every time I moved, it got worse and worse and worse. One of the places I lived in, when I moved in there, one of my questions was, does this apartment flood? It was on the ground floor. And they said, oh, no, we never have those problems. It doesn't flood here. Just a few months later, after moving in there, we had a huge rainstorm in Kansas City. Well, my apartment flooded like about four inches, the whole thing from the back door to the front door. And the management wouldn't even come and wet jack the carpeting. They told us it was our problem to figure out. They brought us cinnamon, cinnamon to sprinkle on our carpet. That's what they gave us. And the apartment got mold really bad, just black mold. And it was growing out of the kitchen ceiling into the dining room area. So I remember it was in September of that year and I was trying to get out of there. So I said, well, I'm not paying my rent this month. That's when they sent me an eviction notice. Everything is in flux when living in a van, which is part of the thrill and the enjoyment of it. My brain feels so alive. But sometimes it's really challenging to find places to sleep that feel safe enough to sleep in a vehicle. It's a pretty vulnerable spot to be in because the vehicle has windows that can be broken and the doors do lock, but again, it's, it's a car. It's a large car. A van is just a large car. And so there are extra logistical challenges. I have a dog, which is a great sense of security, but he doesn't provide any actual security. Lots of times I sleep in parking lots or parking rides or service plazas. Places where overnight parking is permitted, but sometimes it's not clear if sleeping in the car is permitted, and state by state, it varies. I have a remote job, and it does take some planning to find reliable signal, so we spend lots of time in libraries and in public spaces. So... 
so as people of color, we really do pay attention to what could happen to us as far as getting our house appraised and having it um, appraised at a lower value. So the selling of our current home is probably the thing that we're focused on the most right now. And we've really learned the things that you need to do. You know, if you have a friend who is a white person who can come in and open the door for you, you might want to do that. In our D.C. home, um, I'm the person who opened the door, but we were very careful about the art that was displayed, photos on the wall, all of those things that you're kind of at the mercy of the person who is appraising your home. So a white woman was the appraiser who came to our home. I definitely was very friendly with her. Um, You know, she talked a lot about her children and her daughter's accomplishments. And I was right there with her. You know, my dad was a Georgia boy and he was a he was a big talker. And I just definitely learned that skill from him, making friends with people, putting people at ease. And those are some of the skills that I try to use um, in making her feel comfortable in my home. And, you know, obviously there are lines that you don't cross, but felt that we got a fair appraisal. But, you know, it's one of those things you just never know. Could it have been higher? Maybe. And then even a little bit deeper, I I think about the appraisal that we, we get for moving for upgrades to our home. Will they be fair? So we think about all of those things, and it's one of those things that has you wringing your hands quite a bit. Where I started disability, that's where when my income changed and then uh, things got really rough. Every time I moved, it got worse and worse and worse. And then a couple of years ago, I was in a house that I was renting. And the owner had told me that the utilities ran $100 a month. My first utility bill was over $300. And after living there for one year, my one-year anniversary of that house, my bill was $1,585 for one month of electricity. A little tiny one-bedroom house. I paid my rent every month and bought him for a year to figure out why my utility bill was so high. And the owner decided he was going to evict me, took me to court. But because I kept good records and I had video and a lot of good evidence, and I had an attorney at the time that took my case pro bono, I won that eviction case and the owner had to pay back a year and a half of rent that I paid, my deposits, and my attorney fees and court fees. He had to sell the house to pay me. But it made me homeless for eight months. Right now, I share a house with three people, and I'm 63, and everybody else in here is in their early 30s. Young professionals that have good jobs, but still can't afford the rent on their own. This is so at the very end of the night, we always lock the van. We have all of our windows covered, so we're not able to see out very easily. 
but that also means that people can't see in, which is the point. And so we lock it up to make sure no funny business happens, or at least when funny business does happen, we at least have a little advanced warning because the doors are locked. And really, the routine is pretty simple after that. Wash up, read, maybe watch a little TV, and then go to sleep. For people like Shelby, priced out of New York City, now living in a van. Or Sabrina, constantly living in fear of eviction. For Paige, who's afraid of racial discrimination in the home appraisal process. Christopher, losing his apartment of 14 years with nowhere to go. Or Gianda, who's working three jobs and living in an Airbnb. For those people, and so many more, housing seems more unstable than ever. We're seeing a historic shortage of available homes for sale, but the demand is soaring. And that's pushed home prices and rental costs to unprecedented heights. In May of this year, the Biden administration released their Housing Supply Action Plan, with the goal of helping to close the housing supply deficit over the next five years. And this housing plan is part of what Biden has said is his top priority, tackling inflation with interest rates creeping toward double digits and a large amount of construction underway, some experts say that the housing market should cool down and bring some relief. But the pressures for many, especially for lower-income households and households of color, that pressure probably won't go away anytime soon. This is a complex problem, and solutions have been hotly debated for a long time now. But what is clear right now is that we are in a housing affordability crisis. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Special thanks to every single person who sent in a voice memo. This episode was produced by Sophie Kazis, Adriana Rodriguez, and Stephanie Karayuki. Editing by Lacey Roberts. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Cleek. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producers are Adiza Egan and Stephanie Karayuki. For Vice Audio, Annie Aviles is our executive editor, and Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zumros. If you have the time this week, it would be really great if you could rate and review this episode, or just the podcast in general, in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Maybe you're not aware of this, but this was our 100th episode! 
And the producers who work on this show work really, really, really hard to make this show happen every week. And um, I think they deserve a little bit of love. So if you have it in you, please take the time to rate and review the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.